0: Well, in 2020, on March 13th, a Costco reported having 500 customers standing outside of their store waiting to get in. These customers had a laser focus. They needed to get into Costco. They were waiting to get into Costco. They had gotten up early so that they could be there before everyone else, and 500 of them have shown up. What were they there to get? Was it the latest apple airpods that had come out and that were on sale for a door crash price no was it the new latest and greatest patio furniture that costco was selling no was it the new kirkland brand socks absolutely not but it almost may as well have been because if you remember march of 2020 these 500 customers were waiting at costco to get in to buy toilet paper that's right and this, this Costco reported these 500 customers running in. I guess one of the greeters made a comment when they came in, said, welcome to Costco. Please don't kill us. Um, and they ran past them and within 15 minutes, Costco had sold 1,000 packages of of toilet paper. And they reported among these sales came fistfights, customers punching one another uh, to get toilet paper, and the poor customers who got in quick enough got the toilet paper in their cart and was and was doing other shopping reported having their toilet paper stolen from their carts. Well, this March 2020 quest for toilet paper which was bought, brought about by the global pandemic put the heart overwhelms with greed on full display. Have you ever felt your heart overwhelmed with greed? Have you ever been laser-focused to attain or have this thing that you need or want so desperately? Maybe it was a new pair of shoes or a clothing or an outfit. Maybe it was toilet paper. <laughs> Maybe it was some sort of collectible or a toy. You can remember as a kid just needing to get that toy. And if we're honest, we don't grow out of that, right? Our toys just change. They get bigger and more expensive as we become adults. And maybe it's that new instrument or that new dirt bike or quad, that new trailer or cabin property. Or maybe simply it's just more money. If I could just have more, if I could just accumulate enough, then I will be, fill in the blank, happy, secure, able to rest. The list goes on and on and on. Maybe you've never felt that type of greed, but perhaps if you're really honest, maybe you can look at your life and see areas where greed has slipped in, where you've had that desire for excess, that longing to save and save and save, the longing to hoard or to live lavishly. Well, the series that we're in, which we're calling Guarding Your Heart, is one where we are looking at areas in our life that maybe we don't pay a lot of attention to, but have the potential to totally derail our life with Jesus. Two weeks ago, we talked about how our relationship with food impacts our relationship with God. Last week, Pastor Quinn talked about how an issues of anger and bitterness in our relationships can negatively impact our relationship with God. And this morning, I'll be talking about how greed and money and the pursuit of possessions or living a lavish lifestyle might impact negatively impact our relationship with God. So let's take a look at greed. Well the first thing I think we need to understand is that God has given us a healthy desire for sustenance. God has given us a healthy desire for sustenance sustenance. We look at the beginning of our Bible in Genesis chapter 2. Uh, we see that God creates Adam and Eve and then he puts Adam in the garden. And in Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 we read that the Lord God took the man He put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Uh, We talk about this in the context of vocation, this idea of God has given us a task to do or work to do, and we engage in that task with God. God created a situation for Adam where he was able to acquire what he needed in order to enjoy life. So we understand that our productivity and our work are from God. God invites us to work. He requires us to work. And the results of that work, the money we earn, the the crops maybe that we harvest, all these things, are things that we rightfully receive and rightfully enjoy. That's all well and good. But sin has an interesting way of taking something that is good, something that God has given, and twisting it. Our healthy desire for sustenance is twisted When we forget that our productivity is from God and for his purposes. And we start unthinkingly amassing more and more than what we need. That's greed. Greed is excessive acquiring, excessive saving, excessive hoarding or lavish spending. And when we read scripture, we see that it takes a hard stance against greed. It addresses issues around greed and money more than it talks about sexuality. It talks about it frequently. The prophets in the Old Testament warn about the role that greed can play in systemic injustice. And Jesus teaches that a life saturated with greed is inconsistent with the good life that God has for us. While well, I look around our world today and I would say that our culture has a very interesting relationship with greed. Greed. An often quoted uh, movie called Wall Street uh, put out this phrase that greed is good. And a character in that movie goes on to argue that that greed is what drives our society forward. Well, people were polled in 2013 and asked that same question. Is greed good? And of course, the answer overwhelmingly was no. Eight out of ten Americans said, no, greed is not good. Yet we look at the way our society functions and operates and we see companies that leverage our greed by paying marketing experts millions of dollars to convince you and I that what we have is not enough. I remember a a family circus cartoon growing up where the the young boy is sitting on a couch reading a catalog and he said, this catalog is amazing. It's showing me all these things I didn't even know I wanted. And haven't we not all experienced that? For me, it's, it's running shoes and running gear. I get emails from all these, these companies that seem to know what I'm interested in. And, and it's like, hey, check out this shoe. It's going to make you faster. And I'm like, it's going to make me faster? Like, oh. I start looking at this and exploring it. And I find myself overwhelmed maybe a little bit with greed. Culture's perspective on accumulation and greed has perhaps sought to see the sin as a little bit less than sin because our culture kind of thinks that this relentless pursuit of more is it's not that bad of a thing it's maybe a good thing so while 8 out of 10 Americans disagree with the statement that greed is good studies also claim that greed is the driving force of our economic development and a 2019 study concluded that greed should be leveraged to the betterment of the whole that's interesting but when we read Scripture, Scripture is saying, greed's not good. You don't want this in your life. But is a little bit of greed okay? Or is our constant desire and pull for more, is our greed, a, a desire that reveals to us an area in our heart that may need a little bit of attention? Two weeks ago I asked the question, what does your relationship with food have to tell you about how you might grow in your relationship with God. This morning, my question for you is, what does your desire for more money or stuff have to tell us about how we may grow in our relationship with God? Jesus taught us a lot about money and our interaction with it. And he provided warnings against money. And I think that we could could conclude from the Gospels that a little bit of greed is actually not okay. And that it can actually wreak havoc on our life with God, and it can wreak havoc on our life with others. There's three gospel stories that I want us to look at this morning. And again, if you have your Bibles, I really encourage you to follow along. I'm reading from the um, the ESV, which is my preferred translation. And so I know the Bibles we hand out are NIV. It doesn't matter your translation. If you ever want to talk to me about uh, Bible translation, it's one of my more favoritist uh, conversations. Maybe I have Bible greed. I don't know. I like have all these Bibles. like, I want a new Bible. Um, But so we're going to be looking at three stories. The first, uh, Luke chapter 12, which uh, Hilmar read for us. I'm going to read for us again. um, And then we're going to draw out what Jesus is teaching on greed from each of these stories. So first, the parable of the rich fool from Luke chapter 12. Someone in the crowd said to him, Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, man, who made me a judge or arbiter over you? And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And then Jesus went on to tell them a parable, saying that the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Well, from Jesus' parable here, I think a teaching that we can get about greed is that greed keeps us from experiencing abundance in Christ. Greed keeps us from experiencing abundance in Christ. This parable demonstrates greed through accumulation. The picture of someone who just wanted more and more and more stuff and believed that if they just had enough stuff, then they could relax, then they could enjoy life, then they could enter into this abundant, lavish lifestyle. This type of greed is living with a posture that says, for me to rest, for me to enjoy life, I just need a little bit more. It is seeking security or the good life, but living in a posture that if you were ever in a place of need, you would not be able to find someone to help you. It's a greed that springs from a fear of vulnerability, a fear of ever being in a place where you actually have to ask for help. This parable is about a person who is driven along in life by the accumulation of more. And while this person was rich in some ways, Jesus said that he was poor towards God. And I suggest that that means that he was poor towards the things that really mattered. In the pursuit to experience the good life through greedy gain, this man missed the good available to him in the person of Jesus Christ. The similar theme I think we find in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 10 where we read that he who loves money will not be satisfied with money nor he who loves wealth with his income. This is also vanity or meaningless. The pursuit of wealth meaningless said by the richest man perhaps who ever lived. The warning from this parable comes to us in this way. Our experience of the life we were made for does not come in the abundance of possessions, but rather in the abundance available to us in Christ. So, my question for you from this this morning is Are there subtle ways that greed is working in your life that you need to accumulate more as a means of happiness? Are you living under the illusion that if I just have that other thing, then I'll be happy? Jesus invites you that instead of being rich in the world, be rich in God. Let's move to another parable. Just turn in your Bibles a couple pages to Luke chapter 16. In Luke chapter 16, we have the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Let me read that for us. So there was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. It's a great word. Sumptuously, And at his gate there laid a poor man named Lazarus, who was covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side, and the rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades he was being tormented. The rich man lifted up his eyes and he saw Abraham far off and the poor man Lazarus at his side." And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and just cool my tongue for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things and Lazarus in, in the like matter bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you is a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross there to us. And the rich man said, then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house for I have five brothers so that he may warn them lest they also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets to let, let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to them, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. So this is an interesting parable. There's lots of layers here. But for my purposes this morning, what I want us to see is that greed blinds us to seeing the needs of others. Greed blinds us from seeing the needs of others. The rich man in this parable was so consumed with his greed and his pleasure that he had a callousness in his heart towards the needy. This rich man would walk past someone who was suffering outside of his door day after day where he would feast sumptuously, living off the hog, experiencing the good life as he believed it to be. Maybe he looked at Lazarus and said, oh, that's Lazarus's problem. That's Lazarus's lot in life. The rich man had received much. He should have enjoyed what he needed and shared the rest rather than overindulge while one sat by his door hungry. Now, it's interesting at the end of this parable, Jesus says to the the man that, well, if you would have just, if they just listened to the Old Testament, if they just listened to Moses and the prophets, they'll be okay. But what did Moses and the prophets say? Over and over again, God is calling his people to care for the needy, to care for those who are desperate, those who are in need, to have eyes for those who who have need, and to share with those who have need. They would have listened to that. They would have been okay, says Abraham. Friends, what happens in this parable happens so much today. Our drive in life. Our greed to have more stuff or more security can harden our hearts to the needy. In our busyness, securing our own comfort, we become callous to the needs of others. It's so easy to accumulate more and more without even considering how our accumulation affects those who are producing the very products we enjoy. We rejoice in a sale on a new pair of shoes with no thought to the poverty stricken factory worker who may have assembled that shoe. In 2013, global attention went to Bangladesh after a factory collapse killed 300 people due to unsafe, horrendous work conditions. So the world was pleading with, with Western corporations to take steps to ensure that workers could go to work in a place that is safe. One of the proposals was that suppliers of these manufactured goods would have to comply to safety standards. Well, one of the Western companies, in arguing against the proposal to require suppliers to to report annually on safety issues in their factories, uh, said this. He said, "...having suppliers comply with proposed safety standards and reports could ultimately lead to higher costs for our company and higher prices for our consumers." This would not be in the best interests of our company's shareholders and customers and would place our company at a competitive disadvantage. So the safety measures were never put in place. Friends, the greed of the West has made us blind to the needs of brothers and sisters across the world. It has made us blind to the safety of brothers and sisters across the world. Now, the tragedy in this parable is that it's after death where the rich man begins to see. He begs for mercy. He begs for mercy for his brothers, but he's told that their own callousness or blindness brought about by their greed was so great that they would not even be able to hear. Friends, we must not let our pursuit for more For more pleasure, for more money, or more stuff, or excess, keep us from seeing and responding to those in need around us. So my question from this for us this morning is, are there subtle ways that greed is working in your life that it keeps you from seeing the needs of those around you? Let's look at another parable. Or sorry, not a parable, a story. Uh, Luke chapter 18 in turn in your Bible is maybe a page or two. Luke chapter 18, verse 18. And a rich ruler asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And then he goes on to say, well, rich ruler, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And, he, and the rich ruler replies to Jesus and says, All of these I've kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, Well, there's one thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad. For he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Now here's an interesting story. And I think out of this story, the point I want to make is this. That greed hinders us in being obedient to Jesus. Greed hinders us in being obedient to Jesus. Now the story is interesting to me because this rich young ruler is someone who I think I would have gotten along with. He was someone who was following the word of God. He he seemed to be intent on on loving God and living his life for God. Yet Jesus comes to him. Emmanuel, God in flesh. He comes to him and he invites this rich man to something. He invites him to come and experience abundance in a way that he never knew possible. He invited him to come and experience the life that God had made him for. But this rich man... His stuff that he thought he owned had so much ownership over him that he could not follow Jesus. Jesus says that this man is struggling to enter the kingdom of God. Wealth, possessions. These were this man's God. Wealth and possessions was his idol. When asked to choose between Jesus and stuff, this man chose stuff. And friends, I wish I could say that I haven't done that before in my life. It's interesting in the New Testament that the Apostle Paul points in two different places that greed is idolatry. We just read about one of those in Colossians chapter 3. And I don't think we talk about idolatry enough. It feels a bit like a Bible word. But, but idols very simply are things that we worship. Idols are things that we worship. They're things that we look to for a sense of security, a sense of pleasure, a sense of, of, of life, or, of vitality. Idols are also things that we fear, that we look at. And we, we live kind of in subjection to this fear, or this thing over us. When good things become ultimate things, they become... Idols. Scholar and author Christopher Wright says that idols are things that entice us, things that we fear, things that we trust, things that we say we need. And God has a lot of choice words against idolatry. And friends, we must not let wealth or possession take the place of Jesus in our lives. We must not let wealth or possessions take the place of Jesus in our lives. So are there subtle ways that greed is working in your life that keeps you from saying yes to Jesus? When I look at these teachings of Jesus, I find them hard to receive. I find them very convicting. I look in my own life and I see areas where maybe I'm not punching someone in the face to get a piece of toilet paper. But I can totally see areas in my life where I turn a blind eye to the needy Because I'm too preoccupied with my own accumulation. I can totally see areas in my own life where I'm obsessed with with having and securing. And if I just have this thing, then I'll be happy. Or if I just secure enough money, then I'll be able to rest or whatever it is. These mentalities run through my mind. And unfortunately, I can think of times in my life where I've chosen stuff over Jesus. Or I've chosen security and comfort over the life that Jesus is inviting me to. And I want us to flip backwards in our Bibles to Luke chapter 9. And I love that Luke puts this before all these teachings. And in Luke chapter 9, we read these familiar words about the cost of discipleship. We start in verse 23. And Jesus says to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses or forfeits himself? That's the rich man in Lazarus. What does it gain us if we profit the whole world but lose ourselves? Friends, the good news of Jesus comes to us in the midst of our greed. The good news of Jesus comes to us in the midst of our greed. We give into greedy desire as a way of saving ourselves. (laughs) Whether it's through accumulation, we think that salvation will come by if I just have enough stuff. We think that salvation will come if we just have enough security. We think that salvation will come if we just have the right kind of luxury or experiences. That we won't feel depressed, that we won't feel sad, that we'll experience this abundance in life that we just look at the world that it seems like everyone's enjoying. But Jesus comes to us in that place of wanting, that place of need, that place of desperation. And he says to us that we don't need to accumulate more things to be happy. We don't need to have some sort of big nest egg set up for us to experience rest. Our greed wells up from longings for security, pleasure, happiness, for rest. But Jesus comes and he shows us that there's a better way than greed. Jesus responds to our human longing. A loving God who sends his son to reach out to us in that place of desire, that place of wanting, that place of insecurity, that place where we're afraid of vulnerability. And he comes and says, I'm a good father. I'm going to take care of you. I am a good father. I have something for you. Just, you just have to trust me. And we talked about this with gluttony too, this idea of just looking to the birds. If, if God's going to feed the birds of the air and clothe the lilies of the field, you better bet he's going to take care of you. And Jesus himself demonstrating to us a life of contentment, of joy and Peace. So friends, we don't have to live out of greed. We don't have to let the vice of greed take over in our hearts and feel this posture of, oh, maybe a little bit of greed's an okay thing. It's not an okay thing. It's not an okay thing. Jesus came and showed us a better way. So what are some practices that might help us to guard our hearts against greed? What are some practices that'll help guard us Guard our hearts against greed. The first one was one that Rebecca DeYoung in her book Glittering Vices points out. And it's the practice of observing your spending. Observing your spending. So simple. Matthew chapter 6 verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So I encourage you this week, maybe sit down with your, your bank account and look through the ways that you spend or save money. And ask yourself this question. Where's my treasure? Track your spending. If I looked at your bank accounts, what would I learn about you? If I looked at how you spent money, what would I learn about you? Are you expecting accumulation to satisfy something in you that can truly only be satisfied in Jesus? That's a big question. So I invite you to take time this week to look over how you interact with money and, and prayerfully ask the Lord... To show you areas in your financial dealings that that maybe are inconsistent with what He desires for you. The second practice is the practice of generosity. Generosity is to look at what we have and to recognize that all that we have is from God. And to give as we see opportunity. Now I have to say, TCC, I have found you to be an incredibly generous church. I've been incredibly blessed by your generosity over the years. And, in, um, and this is a church that I believe if someone needs to learn to be generous, they can watch, um, watch this congregation. And it is amazing to me to watch you all respond when needs present themselves. It's been amazing. And generosity helps us to detach from a love of money as we give away that which we feel compelled to hoard. So I commend you in your generosity. But perhaps if you're finding generosity uh, difficult, another practice that Rebecca DeYoung suggested was the practice of weekly tithing. Now, I know even for myself, my my interaction with tithing is is usually more on a monthly basis or every couple months, um, you know, as, yeah, not as so much as it comes to mind, but just when I sit down and go through all my financial stuff. Um, But what Rebecca points out is that for some of us, we need that weekly reminder to be generous. And so she's like, well, if you tithe every week, it gives you that weekly reminder to recognize that all you have is from God, and you're giving back to Him just a portion of what He has given to you. If you find generosity difficult, maybe consider ways that you might give on a weekly basis to an organization like a church or other charitable organization. Um, Or, yeah. So generosity is the second practice. The third is the practice of justice. The practice of justice. Philippians chapter 2. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves. I think this is the posture of someone who is who's who's acting justly. Justice is seeking opportunities to help bring about um, bring about justice. Sorry, seeking opportunities to help bring about justice frees us from greed as it takes our eyes off of our own wants and desires and fixes our eyes upon the needs of others. Pastor Norb in our our New Year's sermon in January talked about justice in this way. He said that justice is us having our hearts and our eyes and our ears open to stepping into a situation to provide what is necessary to make things right. We pursue justice as we extend to needs what is necessary to make things right. So for us to act justly, we can pursue opportunities to give uh, to organizations which, which seek to make things right and or be intentional about paying attention to see needs of people around us and step in to meet those needs. We give of our time, of our abilities, and our resources. We choose not to withhold the abundance that we have received in Christ. And the final practice I have for us this morning is the practice of simplicity. The practice of simplicity. Um, Yeah, let's go to the next slide. Hebrews chapter 13. We read, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? That's a beautiful passage as we think about the invitation to be content. In a world where we're told that the good life can be found in accumulation, God in his word invites us to a life of contentment. So we rightfully ask ourselves if we can do without adding to what we already have. Every time you have that impulse or that need to accumulate more, ask yourself the question, do I actually need this thing? Or can I live more simply? Choosing to live simply frees us from the urge for more or for the latest and greatest. Choosing to live simply is to be content with little. As the Apostle Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, I have learned to be content with whatever circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And there's some amazing resources out there right now about uh, simplicity. There's, there's something called the minimalist, uh, minimalist movement. A lot of resources of, of ways to help people live more simply that I have found helpful. Strength or contentment did not come in possessing abundance. Strength and contentment comes from Jesus. Jesus. That was a testimony of the Apostle Paul, and I believe that as we pursue being a people who are generous, who are pursuing acts of justice, who are living simply, that that will come to be our testimony as well. So there's just four practices for us of, of ways to help us fight against greed, to guard our hearts against greed. I want to invite the worship team up, and I just want to invite us into a posture of prayer Um, As we just bring this this issue of greed before the Lord, let's pray together. Jesus, would you help us to see where greed has been at work in our lives? Maybe just reflect on what I've shared this morning, the passages of Scripture that we read. And just ask the Holy Spirit to highlight areas in your life where you see maybe some seeds of, of greed at work. Lord, help us to see where greed has kept us from being content. Help us to see where greed has kept us from trusting you. Lord, help us to see where greed has kept us from seeing the needs of others. Lord, help us to see where greed has kept us from being obedient to you. And Lord in the quiet of this moment we confess to you how we have allowed greed to take root in our hearts. Just confess back to the Lord the things the Holy Spirit's revealing to you. And Jesus, we just invite your spirit to show us how to apply virtues of generosity, justice, and simplicity to our lives. Father God, we do not visit this topic with any ambition to just pour guilt upon people, but Lord, rather it is an invitation. So God, may we hear that invitation from your word this morning to see areas in our lives where perhaps our relationship with money has has caused us to miss out on what you have for us. Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us not to be overcome with greed. Lord, thank you for the many ways this congregation is incredibly generous. The many ways that this congregation works to see justice at work here in our community, in our city, and around the world. And Lord, thank you for the many ways that this church responds to your call to be faithful. Lord, there are endless testimonies that could just come out of the walls of this building. But Lord, as we journey with you, we want to guard our hearts against that which might knock us off that journey. Or that which might distract us. So Lord, would you guard our hearts from greed. And help us to live in the abundance that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.